This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I'm so glad you are here. I love hanging out with people who are motivated to be more and do more. It's exciting to be surrounded by positive people who want to grow and live to their full potential. I know that's you or you wouldn't have landed here. My goal in bringing you this podcast is to help you take control of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Today's episode is being brought to you by Prairie Laser Ink and Toner, located in the beautiful community of Stonebridge in Saskatoon. Ink and Toner is an everyday essential for both business and home use. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner carries the largest number of brand name and compatible ink toner products in Saskatchewan. They can supply all your printing products with next day delivery to your business or home office during COVID. As a business owner myself, I always appreciate such personable service, especially when it saves me time. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner Supply is a family-owned and operated Saskatoon business. They put customer service first, guarantee quality products, and will match any competitor's price in Saskatchewan. Support local and contact them today at 306-668-0070 or visit their website at prairielaser.com for a free quote or to place your order. This is episode 011, Understanding Who You Are and What's Blocking You from Creating Your Own Independent Wealth with Lori Renton. Have you ever felt like you're doing it all right, putting in all the effort, planning and budgeting, and yet you're still not where you want to be at financially? Well, underneath it all, there is some sort of block that is in the way of your financial freedom. In this conversation, we are going to help you tap into your personal power to create financial abundance. We will help you recognize your specific patterns, understand your financial habits, and how they link directly to your bank account. Let's stop letting money hold you back and start learning how to create the wealth that you want and deserve. I am really excited about this one and I think it speaks to the masses. Our guest today has been a lifelong student of independent wealth. Through her childhood, she was influenced by her father who was in insurance and she marveled at how he grew his business while having a commitment to bettering his community. This had a significant impact on Lori and she knew one day she would run her own business. After eight years of working in the investment and insurance industry, she felt unappreciated and chose to believe in herself and follow her lifelong dream of owning a business. In 1994, she opened LR Future Insurance and Investments As a lifelong learner, she has taken a unique approach to create wealth, prosperity, and growth around money, which led her to win a YWCA Women of a Distinction Award in the category of Entrepreneurship and Innovation in 2016. Lori uses the discovery process to help people understand who they are and what is blocking them from independent wealth and prosperity. Lori believes when you allow money to be your teacher, you will eventually recognize that you are directly impacted in your own wealth and prosperity. She is a financial advisor, but she has also incorporated life coaching and cash flow planning into her practice. Lori is an empowering woman who is on a path to help make the world a better place by being the change. I am so very happy to have you here with us today, Lori. I believe this topic is a big one for people, and I'm excited to learn from you and for the audience to have the chance to do so as well. 
Corliss, it is just so spectacular to be here. I have um, known you now for two years, and I just, every time I hear you and your enthusiasm and your desire to help people through different parts of their lives, it's just amazing. So I'm honored to be here with you. Oh, and equally the same. I could say the exact same thing because I've watched you and how you work with your people, your clients, your community, and it's really quite inspiring. So let's begin at the beginning. You have coached and you've mentored so many people over the years as a financial planner. And generally speaking, what would you say is the biggest thing that holds people back from creating financial wealth? Well, you know, Corliss, it is pretty amazing. I, I work with a lot of people in all different ages and stuff like that. And everything, almost every time, and part of this discovery tool that I use comes down to your beliefs within yourself. Um, so when you look at, for example, let's just use kids for an example. We did a, a kids event one time, and I remember putting a line across the carpet, and the parents were in the audience. The kids were on one side of the line. And what we did is we just threw out different money beliefs and said to the kids, if you have heard this before, step across the line. So all of a sudden here's, you know, six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old kids, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Kids are all stepping across the line. So it's like, oh my goodness, you know, you say these things, you hear these things from grandparents, parents, whoever it might be, and they kind of stick with you. Or we can't afford that. You know, the old days when the little Dicky D vehicle came, the little Dicky D bike came around and it's like, oh, no, no, we can't afford that. You know, it's not about that. It's about how can we afford it? So we really have to tap back and go, how do we get back to those beliefs to realize they're not our beliefs? Okay, I am envisioning this right now and I'm seeing these children in this doing this exercise. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm already fascinated and I'm sure everybody else is as well. So the kids, what were some of the other things that they heard? Because this might help us get to the root of our belief system if we think about the exercise of these children in this going across this line. What were some other things that you asked them and they responded to? Well, you know, even simple things like, oh, rich people, you know, rich, the word rich. And then kids hearing that word, you know, if somebody goes, well, they're rich, so that's why they have everything. And when the kids would step across those lines, you know, have you heard, oh, rich people aren't nice people, or uh, that costs too much money, or um, what was another really strong one? I'm just trying to think of what another really strong one was where the kids, every single kid came across the line. And it was like, you should have seen the parents' faces, Corliss. Because wow. you don't even realize how you're impacting them until you're in the audience and watching the way your child is going across the line. And it wasn't like the kids were afraid to go across the line. They were excited to go across the line because, oh, we've heard that before. We've heard that before. You didn't see a whole lot of kids. Now, it wasn't a big event. There was only about six kids there. But we did it as kind of a trial to see how this could work as something going forward if we, once we get, launch our kids program. Wow. So the parents would have taken away from that, like, how are we speaking about money around our children? And it really connects back to the belief that they must have, because it doesn't come out of your mouth unless you have that thought yourself, right? Exactly. So we use, I use um, a tool called points of view. And um, with points of view, I'm creating a, it's cards with words and pictures on them. And then it's another deck of cards that have a picture of a person, real people real people. And I remember, Corliss, I had to do a sample of how this would work. Well, of course, I want to incorporate, it, incorporate this into money. So I had people pick a card that reminded them of someone that they got a money belief from. Whatever that belief might be, they had written it down on a piece of paper. They walked around the poly, all the cards on the floor and they go, okay, so someone grabs one, it looks like grandpa, you know, kind of an old man reminder of my grandfather, for example. Well, they picked up on a belief that, oh my gosh, that's where I got that belief from was my grandpa. And then they would tell their story, they would write their belief down on a piece of sticky paper, like a post-it note. And then the plan was, is to go through a process, I take them through a process, and then they take that and I go, it is time now for those belief, that belief to leave. 
And they would go through a process and then they would rip up, take the paper and they'd scrunch it up. Some people ripped it in pieces, however they are, and they had to chuck it in the center. And as they chucked it in the center, they had to talk about that is not my belief and I am, that belief is gone forever or whatever it was in the way we did it. But that was powerful. People said, wow. And a lot of the people that were in that course that did that, there was about 20, they're all very um, holistic. They're holistic workers, like they're healers and they're people like that. And there is a different belief system in people that are healers because money doesn't mean anything to them. And money really is an energy. And it all comes down to a belief that money is just a, it's a piece of paper, it's a credit card, it's whatever it is. It's like, how do we think differently and react and respond differently to those beliefs that we've been hearing since we were little, and then we carry the story with us into the future? Mm, okay, there's just so much in here. So, okay, what I'm gathering from this already is like the subject line or the title or the topic of this episode is about what's holding you back. And what I'm hearing is that what's holding us back, the very basics of it is the belief system that we've adapted you know, from outside circumstances or from our parents or from our community or from whatever we've heard around us. And that starts right from young. Then we move into carrying that with us. And now if we're looking at our financial situation, whether we're abundant or not abundant, it's directly connected to the belief. Am I summarizing that correctly? Oh, that is so totally correct. And then to add on top of that, Corliss, is it comes down to personality. So I do personality work with the Enneagram and there's nine different personalities. So when you start to really understand, all of us have a dominant personality, but in the circle, it's a circle with nine points. In those nine points are nine different personalities, but what we wanna do is we wanna break the patterns and beliefs that are in that personality to find the rest of us. So let's say you're a dominant six personality, well, worry is a big thing for you. So, you know, they may be the type that take money and they just put it into a GIC or put it into a savings account and stuff because trust is a big deal for them. So when you can start unraveling and discovering even your personality type in that capacity, that makes a big difference. And there's a, a book out there. I'm working with Dr. Margaret Smith from, she's from the US born Canadian woman. She's a same personality as me in the Enneagram. She wrote a book called Money from Fear to Love. So it really gives you an understanding on, oh my goodness, these are some blocks that I've, I'm having and I'm ready to shift that. I find this so interesting because I think when most people think about money, they think about, we got a budget, we got to save, we got to earn more. It, they're thinking about it like that. But really what you're talking about here is a belief system and a personality, like the person who shows up to manage that money or to earn that money. There's a personality that we just all have. We're all hardwired for something. And then of course, there's the belief system that's way down there. So really what you're talking about is self-awareness understanding ourselves so that we can then learn how to actually do the budgeting and the finances and the the earn more and just everything to do with the, the tactical or practical stuff about financing yes right corliss and you look at the word budgeting you look at the word diet the word budgeting sounds so like restrictive it's constricting people so even that word i never use the word budget i use the word cash flow planning so that makes a big difference when with, with the words that we're using are so impactful. So when I understand a person's personality, because I have clients go through it, if they want to do the discovery process, it's an added thing that I do with my financial work, then I understand where they're coming from so that I'm not going off on jargle because I have no fear of money freedom. Um, all that kind of stuff is very important to me. So if I'm speaking in my language around money to a person that is like, um, you know, the worry wart and stuff like that, oh my goodness, I would drive them off and I, they would go crazy. So now what's happened for me is when I learn their personalities and you learn the basics of it, then they can start to understand it and they grow through it. Mm, it sounds like personal development for money and finances, but it sounds um, like a very different approach to it. So let's connect a little bit of the dots here. So mindset is powerful in all aspects of our lives, clearly. 
and that is connected to finances. Can you help us see the direct connection between mindset and finance? Yeah, and a lot of it we kind of just talked about. There's definitely that connection and that because money has a lot of emotions wrapped up in it. So our relationships to money is loaded with emotions. So for example, Corliss, um, stock markets take a big hit. They drop like crazy, which is what they just did. The end of March statements are coming out. All of a sudden a stock market hit, takes a hit and people are starting to panic. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose all my money. This is what's going to happen. So these emotions are all in there. So even when the time came that I decided I really wanted to implement this into my practice, it was like, I have no control over the markets. I have no control what the Dow and the T Toronto Stock Exchange, all this stuff is going to do. However, we can take control of our reaction to it. And that's when I decided 12 years ago, oh my gosh, I got to go learn about the Enneagram. Then I need to meet Dr. Margaret Smith. So it is about uh, knowing where those mindset blocks are, understanding them, being aware of them, and then knowing that, oh my goodness, I need to shift my mindset if I want to build some financial freedom for myself. And I think there's some really common ones. I think generally people have very common you know, negative money mindsets, things that we've been taught. I think we can be, or maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we can be influenced by the type of community that we live in, in the, the environment that we come from, you know, where our parents learned about money. Would that be kind of where it comes from, you think, mostly? And is it common between most people? Oh, it definitely is common because we can look at many things. You can look in the education system, school, teachers, parents, grandparents, the government system, all kinds of systems out there. Money's a big topic. So yeah, there's it, it's whatever you hear as you grow up. What are you hearing on TV, wherever? Because I often say, you know, your mindset truly is your greatest gift. And if you can allow money to become your teacher, it can become such an amazing vehicle for growth and transformation so that you understand the possibility of a world of abundance and love as opposed to scarcity and fear. We so often are sitting in fear around money. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to lose that money. It's going to go, it's going to do this. And people fear, so they end up putting their money into places that does nothing for them instead of saying, I'm going to have my money work for me instead of me working so hard for my money. So it really comes down to being very conscious of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Conscious choices, intentional living, leading your life. Money is really energy. So let's go back to that. You talked about it and it's like it could just be a piece of paper. And when you really think about it, it literally is a piece of paper. And yet it can control our lives completely if we give our energy to it. So what are some of the ways that people can change that belief system around it? Well, what I have people go through is with the discovery process, and I'll tell you a little bit about that right now because it is a process. It's nine steps, but when you go to, people come in and they say, well, I wanna do this program with you, Lori, because I understand my friends said now they have such a good understanding, is you start at number one, takes you around the nine domains around money, and number one is how well do you keep track of your money? So when you think of it and you go, okay, well, I don't keep track of it. I just spend it or I go make it or I do whatever. I really don't pay much attention to it. Well, that's the key that kind of gets you creating that awareness and seeing where all your money is, right? And then number two takes you to spending. How in tuned are you to your spending? Number three is earning. How well do you, um, how well are you in earning money and are you earning money to your greatest potential? So often we go to jobs, we go do things in lives because it's making us money, but we're really not happy doing it. So when you're earning money, and, and this is just a little sideline off of this, I'm right now, I've, I've listened to Happy Money. And you know, he even says, he's a gentleman from Japan and the life he grew up in, and when he talks about happy money, he says, are you paying your rent is it happy money or is it not unhappy money? Um, all these ways that you think about money. And he said one time he had a woman, he was in a meeting and he had this woman and she was going, I want to see your wallet. And that's nothing in Japan to say, I want to see your wallet. Well, she opened it up and she wanted to see how his money. And she goes, oh, you have a lot of happy money in there. It threw him right off. So when we look at the earning potential that we all have, it's are we earning money and are we, when we get that paycheck or when we pay 
to donate to our church or we donate to different things or we give money back to different things, is it happy money? Or are we handing that money out and going, oh man, there I got to go. I got to pay a power bill. Oh brother. It is so much on how we look at it. And then the number four, which is a really good one, it takes you to beliefs. How well do the stories you tell yourself and the conversations that you have around money, how do they impact you? So then we go into a whole belief thing and, and it takes you through all the parts of what are those beliefs because it all comes down to that main personality of yours and how you can get past those blocks. Because the Enneagram, the personality work, is all about getting you out of a box. It's not about, oh, I want to know what other people are. It's about really, truly discovering who you are, what's blocking you, things like that, and then getting out of that box and discovering the rest of you. Because there's nine points, and they're really nine points of you. Uh, then you go to number five, and it's about knowledge. How curious are you about money? And it's like, oh, okay, how curious am I? Well, that's cool. So what we've done is we've taken and we do workshops, nine rules of credit, it could be a vision board, it could be nine points of view with the points of view cards, whatever it is, it's all got a base around money so that people realize, oh my gosh, you know, normally I think when I have to talk about money, I've got to be looking at investments and things like that. No, it's about that money mindset. Um, number six is risk management. So it's really cool, Corliss, how each of these points relate to the actual personalities as well. So risk management, how well do you anticipate problems to stay on track? Seven, planning. How well do you envision the possibilities and opportunities money can play in your life? Like those are important things to think about. Wealth management is number eight. How strategic are you about money? And then number nine, when you get through the whole nine domains, and it takes time, how in the flow are you with your money? And it is so powerful and people go through that and through the process, Corliss, like risk management, let's just say for an example, how well do you anticipate problems to stay on track? Well, I'm a financial advisor. So all of a sudden it's like, do you have house insurance? Do you have critical illness insurance? Do you have life insurance? That's anticipating because if you got critically ill, what's going to pay for you to go and get your, uh, get healthy so that you can still have income coming in while you're healing through your illness. So sometimes they'll start at one and we'll do an inventory of everything, but then all of a sudden it's like something comes up and it's like, oh my goodness, risk management. That's something that needs to be dealt with right now. And they find out, we find out. So it's a real discovery tool around the world of money to make sure that everything's in place and you're creating peace of mind for yourself. Um, and then in the center of the circle is it's conversations and communication. So it's all the time. What conversations are you having with yourself, with your spouse, with your children and with the people around you around money? Like I had one of my staff the other day, she come in and she says, um, I don't need money. And I go, excuse me. And then she, she caught herself because I, I, work with my staff all the time with stuff like this and I don't need money. And so then she caught herself and realized, oh my goodness. And she's a personality that they will do, do, do for everybody else, but they kind of forget to take back for themselves. And it's often, it's a type two personality called the, the helper. And that's kind of how they think. So it's a little bit about, am I worthy of this money? Mm, okay. I, first of all, I love the process and I am going to just share a true story here that is probably going to make you cringe, <laughs> but I'm going to share it because I think a lot of people feel this way. It was uh, a couple of years ago, I was listening to a podcast on finances and I really wanted to learn my finances and I wanted to understand it as a business owner and I wanted to do a better job of it. And it's something that I've shied away from most of my life because of my own belief systems that money is stressful, money is hard and it's scary. And I was really wanting to break that pattern, understanding that it is a pattern and that it is a belief. And, and the first step is awareness. And I, this is a true story, but I was on the treadmill and I was listening to this podcast and it was, the idea was, what's the first step? And she said, you know, most people just aren't aware of their financial situation. 
they kind of close their eyes and hand it over to the bookkeeper and the accountant and just hope for the best. And honestly, Lori, I just about fell off the treadmill. I just about missed my step and fell off because I was like, the day before, I almost pretty much put my hand over top of my eyes and was like handing it to the accountant and be like, okay, let me know where where it comes out, right? And it was so speaking to me because I think you said, what was number one on your nine points? Accounting, how well do you keep track of your money? Mm -hmm. I was at number one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. That was my, that was the beginning of my pattern. And of course, since then I've made leaps and bounds and understanding it and learning from someone like you. So I know it's possible to shift it and to change it. And I, I love the approach of the nine points. So do you have a story about creating wealth and how you did it? Like your personal story that you could share with us about this? Well, I guess what one thing right off the bat, Corliss, like I, ever since I was young, I lived in Prince Albert. My father sold life insurance. He was always more of an independent person. And never once did my parents ever tell me, oh, you need to be this. You need to go to university. You need to do this. I never, ever heard that. It was like they just allowed and they they set the examples. Like mom was more of the hugging, full of love. Dad was a real entrepreneur and his mindset was an entrepreneur. So one thing I did know at a very young age, which you don't really know that when you're young, but I did know that I didn't really want to work for anyone else. So it's kind of funny today, Corliss, when I look at my personality and I've been working with this for like 13, 14 years and I'm like, oh my goodness. No wonder that I think the way that I do and that I process the way that I do because I, nobody's going to be my boss. I'm going to be my boss and I can take care of myself. So I, I think one of the biggest things for me And this is a big advantage. I said to my grandson the other day, he was here helping out with some stuff. And I said, Carter, I said, you know, I was showing him finances, like my books and my finances. And him and I were talking and I said, do you know how much grandma never paid attention to that stuff either? I put it in the hands of the bookkeeper and the accountant. So when you say that, Corliss, I was there. And it's like, holy cow, I need to start stepping up to this. And the time that I finally did was when my business coach said to me, so uh, what's your KSI? What's your KFI? What does this look like? I don't know. So I have gone so deep into it, but just that education with him and then creating wealth and knowledge, wealth in knowledge. So not creating wealth, but wealth in knowledge and personal growth is truly what has helped me make conscious decisions around money. I didn't grow up in a house with loads of money, but I did grow up in a home where we were never, we didn't need anything. We basically, all our needs were totally met, but we were, I was also brought up in a household where it was like, if you believe you can do that, go for it. Not, oh, Lori, that's a dumb idea. But I, when I was in grade three, I think it was, I remember my parents had split up for a little while and it's, it, you, you know, you just find out later in life how little things or big things, whatever they are, how when you get a little bit older and when you, you go back to them, you go, oh, that impacted me. So my parents had split up for a short time. My dad brought me a birthday present and I never paid attention to, honestly, to this day, I couldn't tell you what I get for my 10th birthday, whatever. My dad brought me a game. I opened it up and this game was called Anagrams. And I'm going, holy cow, that was grade three. Years later, I learned to learn about the Enneagram, which is a total self-discovery tool that I stepped into and then starting to understand Lori and how I respond to things, not just money, but to things. And then all of a sudden going, okay, money from fear to love. I need to read that book. I need to work with Dr. Margaret Smith. I went and did her training. It even got me to a whole different realm of wealth. Because everybody, when you say the word rich, I always say, you know, there's a commercial on TV, you're richer than you think. Um, You know, is it always about just money or is it wealth in relationships and wealth in knowledge and wealth in all these other things that you learn to make good conscious decisions? It just happens to be money that you're going to make the decision on. Hmm. Yes, we're one whole being, aren't we? It's not like we have different compartments, but we're one whole being. And a lot of times how we are in one aspect of our lives is how we show up in another aspect. And I want to just kind of bring back what you said here earlier, because I think that what you're saying is, is that if you sh- you can shift your belief through knowledge and personal development. And that is a lot of your success story is connected to 
getting the knowledge, developing yourself as a person, and it affected your finances. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Because we don't, our parents, and I, I'm even saying, Corliss, if, if you're brought up with filthy rich parents, let's just say you're brought up in a real rich family. Well, they've got a lot of the same money worries and different, different money worries, but they still have the worries over money because, oh my gosh, now I got to pay a big tax bill. Oh, what if I lose it all? So yes, I think it's the knowledge and the personal growth within myself that has allowed me to have this mindset. But now that I've been doing this personality work, linking it to money, I know my personality and yeah, I, money creates freedom. That's a big deal for the seven in the Enneagram, which is the enthusiast. It creates freedom. And if that's how I believe that money is freedom, then of course it's gonna, I'm gonna pay attention to it. Hey everyone. Are you missing motivation? Do you have a project you know you should do, but you can't seem to get inspired to do it? Are you missing that something that gives you energy to get up and add it in the morning? Or have you found yourself in a new space and are trying to figure out how to restart? Over the past 26 years as an entrepreneur, I have learned a powerful system that works for me to find my self-motivation to set and achieve my goals, and I want to share it with you. My new course is called Seven Steps to Self-Motivation and Success, and it's being offered right now for a massive discount. Go check it out at www.corliss.ca backslash shop backslash seven steps. That's the number seven. Here it is again, www.corliss.ca backslash s-h-o-p backslash seven S-T-E-P-S. You'll be so glad you did. Okay, so we have talked a lot about um, the Enneagram without really explaining exactly what it is other than it's a personality quiz. And I'd like you just to just very simply touch on it. People can look it up. It is out there. It's on the internet. It's being used by many high profile companies. And just recently, Lori exposed me to this and I did it. And well, Lori, why don't you just use me as an example? Because I'm fine with that, especially since it's the same personality as Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, yes. So when we, when we do the personality test, so when we think of it, think of drawing a circle. Circle is a very strong shape, right? So you draw a circle and you put a nine at the top, a three and a six, and you make a triangle. And so that's the nine, three, six. And you know, Tesla always says, uh, when people learn the magnificence of 936, they will find the key to the universe. And I go, holy crow, is that ever the truth? Because those are the dominant points. So what happens is you put a circle, then you put a triangle in the center, and then you put the nine at the top, then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And so when you look at the Enneagram and you go, okay, where does, and you go one, four, two, eight, five, seven, it might sound complicated right now, but look it up, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M.com or Enneagraminstitute.com. Look it up, do their test, have fun with it and discover it for yourself. But it goes one, four, two, eight, five, seven. So we say the circle is the whole you. So let's say you're really stuck in your dominant three, Corliss. You're okay. stuck there. You find out what the beliefs are. You find out all the different things that go on for a three. And then you go, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in that three. Well, what about the rest of you? What about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two? So that's where it takes you. It's so much fun to say, I'm a three, I'm an achiever. I really, I always want to look good. I don't leave my house looking crappy. It's very important for me to look good. And I, I want success. And so when you learn that stuff about yourself and then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, I met somebody that kind of triggered you. We meet people all the time and it's always other people, but often it's siblings, it's people within our family because where do we do our biggest life lessons? If all of a sudden it's one of the points that you go to in stress or a point that you go to in growth, you're going to go, oh, I love that person. So you even look at Oprah. 
I just see you being that Oprah. But you, you look at her and you go, how much you really like that person? Well, shit, she's the same personality as you. So we attract to like-minded people. But what I have found out, even for myself being a seven, my stress line goes to the perfectionist. And that is my life partner. I have learned so much, Corliss, in the last seven years in my intimate relationship about myself. Hmm. I know somebody in my life that's going to be getting the Enneagram test done soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really believe, like, honestly, so what Lori Renton did is because ever since I was little and younger, I always go, what makes people tick? Like, why is it that the same circumstance can happen? But why is it that everybody responds to it so differently? So I've had this in me since I was young, like just because I was curious. And even in my personality as a seven, the enthusiast, curiosity is big for a seven. Like even Rob, I drive him crazy. He'll go like, why do you ask so many questions? Well, how are you going to know if you don't ask, right? So it's kind of fun when you learn these and they really come right from early, early childhood. And they really believe that they're innately in you. But what it is, is to get past all, past some of the blocks of the personality that you are in. So for example, Corliss, being a three, your basic desire would be to feel valuable and worthwhile. So a, a three is in search of validation. They're called the achiever and their basic fear is of being worthless, deficient, without inherent value. That's very, very um, important to a three if that's your dominant, and then your virtue is authenticity. So it's like you you are full, and you know what? You exude that all the time, Corliss. You are about as authentic as you, as you can come. So um, a healthy sense of yourself as a three personality is I'm an outstanding and effective person. That's important. That's important. So it's like going back to my partnership, my intimate partnership, Rob, Well, you look at words, integrity. That's a very big word for the one personality. So I'm starting to learn the language to use to make people feel more comfortable when they're sitting with me talking about their finance or or talking about money in general. Mm, All of it's so interesting. It just absolutely blows my mind with fascination, honestly. And when we see me as a three, so when I did that, it's interesting that you would say that validation would be important because I spent most of my life trying to get validation from outside sources, which is not a secret. I've shared it in other podcasts and in my speaking presentations. And yet somehow when understanding it, that it's just kind of how I'm wired, my personality overall, somehow now I've grown into just being completely okay with being authentic, that perfectionism isn't important and that I can validate myself, that I don't actually have to seek it from other people. So it's really helped me understand who I am. Now let's make the connection between the Enneagram and finances. So I think you've talked about it kind of in a roundabout, but you've actually decided to put this into your practice. So clearly you feel that your personality affects your finances. So just speak a little bit more to that in really clear terms, if you could. Well, we really, we truly all begin our connection to money with feelings of fear and scarcity. Like little do we know that you might go, well, I'm not fearful of money, but we honestly do. You look at when, when all this stuff started to happen a month ago, um, what were people doing? They were going to the grocery store and they were loading up on toilet paper. People are loading up on hand sanitizer. What is that? That's a scarcity mindset, right? So it gives you what I'm finding with the Enneagram and discovering your personal path to wealth, wealth, prosperity, and love is basically is to um, give you the tools within the Enneagram to create that prosperity. So kind of getting out of the fear and scarcity into love and abundance mode. And, you know, love, whatever that means to people, because if you're in fear, you're not in love. When you're in love, you're not in fear. And you can't carry both of those at exact same moment. So you can stop and go, am I doing this or making this decision in fear? Or am I making this decision in love? And it's, as I said earlier, is this money and is this happy money or is this unhappy money? If you just create those awarenesses within yourself and practice it, it's like anything, you know, someone doesn't go and just throw a curling rock and become a great curler. They practice. So it's about meeting your needs without anxiety 
And again, it's getting past those blocks. And then again, of course, depending on the personality, there's different ways that you have to work with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as people, we are habitual. We do things, right? We just fall into habits and we, we start going into patterns. And, you know, the self-discovery and personal development will help you understand and recognize those patterns. But would you teach us the difference between, say, a negative and positive pattern when it comes to finances, wealth, money? Well, I guess it, you know, when we start the discovery process, and if you look on a positive note, so number one, you start with accounting, right? Like, where am I right now? How does everything look to me? Whether it's in your personal finances, your business finances, whatever it be. So focusing on increasing the gap between your earning and your spending, because you know, the old saying, and it sounds so simple, in Canada, Corliss, this makes me kind of sad, is that in Canada, we're in the worst debt as each individual person than anywhere in the world. We're 20, I think it's about $27,000 we're in debt per person, not counting your mortgage, it's consumer debt. So we're spending $1.79 for every dollar we have. So when we look at at a, a positive way of saying, can we focus on increasing the gap between the earning and the spending so that this much money's coming in, but we're spending less because we're more aware of our cash flow, then, that's already a positive step, just being aligned with that knowing. Another is being a really good steward of your money and making sure that it aligns with your values. And then again, of course, your beliefs again. But values are very, very prominent when it comes to money. I work with, when I do the discovery process, using the flow, this map, um, I have 150 values cards. So I go through a process with you. It's a question. We determine three financial objectives that you want to acquire or maybe financial situations you want to get rid of, like beliefs. We go through the resource of money. We, what's the product we need to use to get you there and what's the strategy? So let's say we have a husband and wife. Well, then they each pick a value. And then they start discussing, oh, so the value of trust around the product or the person I'm going to work with is very, very important to me. And then they start having a conversation. I've had couples come in here not really on the same page with money because their money personalities are totally different. And they've walked out laughing going, oh my gosh, we can't wait to come back. Which would really, that would make so much sense. And probably why a lot of, I mean, it's, I, th- I would say that it's probably one of the biggest stresses on relationships is when you're not aligned in how to manage money and finances become a big stress and a big point of people's arguments, right? So good stuff. I, I love it. Okay. Now, just connecting the dots here and making this all come together, what would be the first steps? So we do have people who are right now just because of corona and the the effects of pandemic that are going through this moment of I'm trying not to be fearful but things are uncertain I've lost income they're focusing on how much they've lost conversations are all around you know that we're in trouble we're in trouble we're in trouble so let's just give some recommendations to people right now about how they can start to change their financial situation right this moment leaving this podcast Right this moment is really looking at where you are, not just in the moment of, oh my gosh, COVID's here, I've lost my job, I don't have work right now, is to actually pull all your stuff together, debt, everything that you have, even your mortgage, and have it all in, almost do an inventory, Corliss. I think that is such a key start, is do an inventory of where you are, and take things on in bite-sized pieces, because people go, I have so much debt, this is how they'll talk, and then all of a sudden, we're looking at their stuff, they got $30,000 in debt, that's it, and it's like, but they're making it such a big thing. And then we start breaking that debt down and how we're going to pay it. We do a, a course called nine rules of credit on what are ways that you can cut back on interest and stuff. So please pay attention to that. If right now is a great time, because guess what? Um, Banks are forgiving mortgage payments right in the moment, let's say, like not forgiving, but delaying them and things like that. Take advantage of that right now and take advantage of this time to actually bring this stuff together and see where you are. Because honestly, number one thing is fear makes a terrible financial advisor. So if you're sitting there in fear about something, a bill you got to pay or the money that's not coming in, just stop yourself and go, 
Now, is what I'm thinking right now serving me to my higher good for where, where I want to be? It's pretty obvious if it's a yes or a no. And work at getting past that. And like I said, you know, go look up the Enneagram personality and start just paying attention because it really is a discovery of you. Money's just the byproduct. Okay, this is so great. And it brings me back to the story on the treadmill. You know why I was closing my eyes and handing it to the accountant and to the bookkeeper and just hoping for the best? It was because I was fearful of where I was at. So I wasn't taking inventory, wasn't taking ownership, and it scared the heck out of me because I didn't feel empowered at all. How could I feel empowered when I just didn't even know what it was? And I actually had made it up to be worse than I even thought. And then when they come back to me and say, well, you know, it's not that bad, here's what's happened. I'm like, oh, whew, big sigh of relief. Whereas now what I understand, it would be much better for me to take control of it myself, take inventory like you're saying, and then create a plan and learn what I need to, to get myself where I wanna go, the ultimate end, right? Exactly, Corliss, because what often happens with money guides or financial advisors or whatever is they offer a one-size-fits-all solution. And when you look at the points, now that I've been doing the work with the Enneagram around money, when you look at those nine points, one solution does not fit for everyone. So that's been my biggest pet peeve being in the industry I'm in, and I've been in it for 30-some years, is it's like one standard generic um, style. And this isn't, this creates a roadmap and a map, a real map that fits you and your circumstances. Mm -hmm. And of course, for the listeners, just rewind this if you'd like to. You don't necessarily have to hire Lori, but just take a, take it into account exactly what it is that's that's going on, what is your situation at right now, and then go back to where she was talking about the nine different points. And of course, you should get Lori if you want to have Lori, but if you're not in a position to you know, go there right now, use this podcast as a tool to start assessing your own financial situation and understanding yourself. She's given you so many tools here to begin your journey with. Lori, any final thoughts on this particular topic or anything that we haven't covered you'd like to share? Well, I really am honored that I was able to share the, the, the nine points and the basics. So if, if anybody out there does want to just ask some questions, I am so free. Just call me. We can Zoom. We can do whatever. Um, please feel free. So one thing I wanted to do, Corliss, is anybody wants to read a book that maybe I, I want to recommend a book to them. Well, of course, Money from Fear to Love. But start with Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Because honestly, I remember when I got that book given to me and I'm going, oh, what do I need this book for? And then I started reading it. It was way beyond thinking rich as far as money goes. It was just thinking rich and having those positive thoughts. So when I read it, I totally understood rich wasn't just about money. It was about desire and having a rich mindset. I, I want to start laughing right now because I just looked to my right. I have this beautiful office that I've just been able to convert in my home. And I have this chair that I sit in. This is my happy place. This room, this office is my happy place where I spend my days. And on the side table right beside it, I just looked over the exact book you just said. Think and Grow Rich is sitting on my side table right beside the chair in my happy place right now. So I am with you because it's really not just about, you know, wealth financially. It's about wealth in your life and that you can actually think that and you need to retrain that thinking. I love it. So <laughs> we're so aligned. And by the way, everyone, I want to endorse Lori in a big way because Lori has impacted my life in such a positive way. And when she's offering to you something like, you know what, let's just have that conversation, take her up on it. She's, she's truly who she sounds like she is. So I just want to say that for the record, because I, you are just truly a gift to me, Lori. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me and everything you do for others. So, you know, my final word is do not let fear be your financial advisor. It's often those things that we cannot control that end up controlling us. And remember, return on investment isn't always about money. It's sometimes about the lessons we need to learn on this journey called life. So I just want to thank you, Corliss, for not only what you're bringing out to our province, but to the world. It's an honor. Oh, thanks, Lori. That really means a lot to me. I have three final questions that I always ask all of my guests. 
I know you've kind of touched on them and you've already recommended the book, but I do want to ask you to just share what does leadership mean to you? Leadership to me is about influence and how we show up. Like, how do you show up? Even, even in your appearance, do you like just walk around kind of slouchy? So that is leadership. Thinking of ways to add value to people before I meet them is very important to me in the leadership. Looking for ways to add value. So I do values mapping. This is another component to what I do. And then doing things that add value to people. And also, as you do, Corliss, encouraging others to add value to others and being intentional and living with good values. So as you've heard me say values a number of times, it's a very, very big impact you can make on other people's lives. So the values that you hold near and dear, inner you, outer you values. So are your behaviors and is the inner you values working together? Or are those deep down values and then what you're doing not, they, go, they often go, are you out of balance? Often your, your values aren't in a line alignment. So paying attention also to the words you use. So leadership isn't just about a position. It's about who are you and how are you showing up in the world? And that's a conscious choice that we can make every single day. Lori, if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? They can call me at 306-783-7737. I'm located in Yorkton. And, or they can email me at Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E at lrfuture.com. Or they can look me up on Facebook, Lori Renton. And uh, I would love to chat with any of you. If you have a couple questions, I could just give you some guidance. I can send you to a free Enneagram test, stuff like that, which would be your start. Beautiful. All right. Well, we've come to the very final question of the podcast. Based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life, if you could offer one piece of advice, only one, that you want to leave people with, what would it be? Um, I'm going to say that it's about making better choices around some of the most limited resources out there, which is time, money, and energy. Hmm. That's a great thought to close with. Thank you again very much, Lori, for your time, your expertise, your wisdom, and always for going the extra mile in everything that you do. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate you as well. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.